0: Welcome to Living Word Bible Church, a lovely place for families where we have a passion to sing great songs to Jesus and where sound Bible teaching is central in home groups.
1: Today I'm going to read you Jonah 1 verse 1 to 17. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. But this wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship born bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights.
0: Good boy, Theo. You can give that to Sid. Well done. Good reading. So big chunk there. Obviously, we're starting <laughs> Jonah. There we go. Uh, ahead of time, I thought we'd return to Acts 17. So I did want to do a little more there at the end of Jonah. And so we're we'll beginning Jonah today. Junior Church, you're good to go. Bless you guys. Have a good time. And thank you, Catherine and Ricky. Let me say a quick prayer. Father, as we've heard your word read, uh, explained, uh, sung, uh, as we look and explore it together now in this Bible message, and uh, open our eyes to behold the wonder of your word. Amen. Amen. So look, they never really believed it would happen. They never did. Until finally God's wrath had built up to full and he sent the Assyrians to invade their territory. They came in and over a period of three years they completely sacked Israel, deported the people, killed many of them, scattered them across the east, and they've never really reassembled since then. God had warned them. He'd warned them time and time again that if they continued in their infidelity towards him, that he would confiscate the land, that he'd given it to them on trust. He evicted the previous tenants because of their vast sinfulness, and warned them that if they did the same, that they will be ejected from the land. And so finally, they were thrown out. But no doubt, they were asking, how could God do it? Oh, they were bad, but they weren't as bad as, I mean, we'll take the Assyrians. I mean, so here's God evicting Israel from their land by sending the Assyrians in. But how good were the Assyrians? Or rather, how bad were they? They were bad. Really bad. Look, here's what's written about them. Woe to the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. This is a wicked nation. And here's what God does. He seemingly overlooks their evils, which are far worse than Israel's, and judges Israel's sins and evicts them from the land. And so... They're left answering this question, and they're in exile. They've lost their land. And they're left answering, how could, why would God do something like that? And what about the Assyrians? Why doesn't he take any notice of how bad they are? And how good we look in comparison to them? And so we have this scenario. The Israelites are in exile. They've lost their land. The Assyrians have seen far worse. have had one up on them. And so what do we make of all this? Where does the book of Jonah come in? And what's its message? And what do the people take away? What can they take away from the book of Jonah in exile? Have a think about that. What can the people of Israel, what positive can they take? Or what answer to their predicament can they see in the book of Jonah as to why God would judge their sins so powerfully, devastatingly, and overlook these Assyrians who are far worse than them. What answer do you think the book of Jonah... Has? Have a guess. This is a way into the study but series. What answer do you think they can find for their predicament in Jonah? Because that's what he's doing. it's serving them in their exile. What answer do you think they can find? And before the next verse comes up, Greg. God is. That's one of the things, and we're going to look at that shortly. Thanks, Bron. Another one. And particularly the the reason why God could overlook a serious sins, but judge theirs so harshly. And they were the chosen nations. All the more reasons why they're so concerned. They'll be asking, why, why, why? Were you going to say something? Okay. Let me let me read this text to you from Jesus, Matthew twelve. The men of Nineveh will stand at the judgment with this generation of Israelites and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Can you see? Can you see what's going on here? The Ninevites repent. Turn from their sin. Put their house straight. We're going to see in chapter 4 when they hear how many sermons? One sermon from one measly guy. And the Jews? The Jews? How many prophets did God send them? How often did he call them to repentance? How many times did he warn them? If this carries on, if this carries on. So Jonas, look book okay jonah's book let me tell you a bit about jonah's book and i'll come back to that thread it's it's widely recognized as a masterpiece it's probably one of the most well-known books of the bible or at least character i mean if you mention even to and you know a typical on church person jonah there's a number of them could still tell you something about it it's about this man who was swallowed by a fish a whale everybody thinks it's a whale and he survived 3 days You have this guy, why is he in the the belly of the fish? Because he ran and he didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. So it's an amazing piece of literature. Written in the 8th century, sometime just before the exile. It's almost as though God was saying, look, look, I only have to go to these people once, okay? And you... How many times have I got to tell you? i <laughs> like a parent, and I'm going to say that. How many times do I have to say this, right? Okay, as effective as God is saying to them here. So the book's written sometime before the exile in 721, probably about a decade. Written sometime between 750 and 730 BC. It's believed it's written by the by the person who is the main character in the book, Jonah. We said he was serving under Jeroboam the second there. And he had contemporaries. John wasn't the only prophet in Israel at the time. He had at least three other contemporaries there, Amos, Hosea, and Micah. So a prophet within a, a time where other prophets were speaking, a prophet who wasn't called so much to Israel, well, not later at least, but to a nation beyond Israel. Although the book, the last thing I just want to say here, Although the book is treated like a kiddie story, in some ways we haven't done ourselves any favour the church when we, when we allow ourselves, well, not so much that image, I chose that one, it was a bit better, uh, but images where Jonah is sitting inside a, the belly of a fish with a fishing rod and a campfire like he's living in the bush. You know, like that's anything like living in the bush, okay? Now, look, I don't think we've done ourselves any favours because it gives the impression this is a kiddie story, doesn't it? But it's not. And here's what Jesus says. And Jesus, it's great what he does because he brings brings the book of Jonah to prominence and to some history. This is what he said uh, when the Pharisee and the teachers of the law, uh, they came. And as a teacher, you know, show us a miraculous sign. Jesus, excuse me. (coughs) Jesus said this. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish. So the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the sea, of the earth rather. And so Jesus gives this 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 episode his serosity, doesn't he? He makes it real. You know, he verifies its authenticity. This really happened. Whether it was miraculous, we don't know, but look, I think I've got a couple of pictures here, Greg. We know that. Others have had similar experiences, as a guy who was swallowed by one, but not into, the, not into the belly. Apparently these whales can't even, their esophagus isn't bigger than 15 millimeters or something like that, or centimeters, so no one could fit through it. Uh, but this one guy was swallowed, at least had was in the mouth of a whale, and other people have claimed to have been in the belly of a fish. So, you know, it's possibly possible to survive in that. Oh, thanks, Nikki. That's great. Could you just stand there and just hold it for me for the next half an hour? I didn't think so. You can't get the staff, can you? Okay. So, look, it's possible you can survive, but almost certainly Jonah's experience is supernatural, isn't it? The fish happened to be there at the right time. He's well intact. So, although look, it's feasible someone could survive, and there's episodes in our world. You know, I think... You know, we just have to concede it's supernatural. God supernaturally preserved him. This is miraculous, if you like. And both the coming of the fish and the survival of Jonah. That's some of the history. Let me move on. Okay, so here's what we're doing today. Um, we're not starting chapter one. Okay? We're just going to get an overview. We're going to do one, two, three, and four. Okay? 45 minutes per chapter, what's that work at? 90 plus 90, 180? Okay, 180! Uh, In in a dot in terms, no, we won't do 45 minutes a chapter, we'll try to do 7 or 8 minutes, okay? We're going to go through the whole of the book and I want to give you a bit of an overview of some of the main themes of the book. We don't want to miss some of the main themes of the book. We don't want to get lost in the detail. Someone's already asking me, how long is this going to be, Montez? Philippians have four chapters and you did 16 sermons. Jonah has four chapters. Okay, so we're going to do, do the maths. Maybe six, okay? We're going to, here's the reason. In New Testament epistles, you, know, you can break down every word and get a sermon out of it virtually, Okay. In the Old Testament, we're looking at broad sweeps of information. We're looking for Jesus. We're looking for the bigger picture. And so it's really hard to do 16 sermons in Jonah with that style of preaching. So no, this is broad sweep stuff. So there won't be many more than six. May not, may not even be six. Let's see how we go. But we're doing an overview. Here's five overview, broad themes of Jonah. I'll give a small application at the end. Number one, God's... Mission heart. This is this is the key message. If you don't see this, you haven't read Jonah, or you haven't read it properly, or you don't know how to read Jonah, or you're misreading the Bible. Seriously, the big the biggest picture. If you only ever preach one sermon in Jonah, it has to be this one. The big picture of Jonah is that God is a God of mission, particularly. He cares about not just the Jews, he cares about the Jews, but he cares about the Ninevites. He says that later, doesn't he? He goes, There's not just 120 people. What else? Hey, this is, this is, this is an interesting one. Okay, What else does God care about? He cares about the 120 Ninevites and. Well, he cares for Jonah too, but I think there's something else. All of us, but something else? He not only cares for the 120 Ninevites, he also cares for, and this will surprise you, and hopefully change the way you live and change what you eat. Yes, he cares for the Gentiles. They're the Ninevites. He cares about the vine. He cares about the, hundred, the cattle. Remember, he said that in chapter 4, there's not only just 120 people, besides cattle. And can you see what God is saying there? He's saying, he doesn't want to destroy the animals either, and here's us. We have him on our plate, don't we, for dinner? <laughs> I'm probably going to have one today. So, besides that, okay, here's a big message of Jonah. It's God's mission heart. He shows compassion to 120,000 of the greater Nineveh people. Not, so, Nineveh is much bigger than the 125 or 120,000 people. This is the greater Nineveh area. God cares about them. Here's what Jesus says, and he shocked the Jews. He's absolutely shocked them to the core. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, a Jew, who only sees salvation for the Jews, okay? And he says to him, hey, Nicodemus, God loves the world. You need to get that. Hey, Nicodemus, you and your race need to understand that. God loves the world we're going to see next time why do you think jonah is not going to nineveh because he like any jew hates hates gentile dogs and hates nineveh so they Assyrians, because they're the biggest at the moment you see more than anybody else and god wants him to go and preach to them you must be kidding okay But god Wants him to preach to them because God loves the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can't see it if you if you walk through the Bible with blindness. So let me tell you something about heightened awareness. Does anybody know what heightened awareness is? When you're like hyper aware of what you're surrounding. Yeah. So. Somebody, somebody tells you, oh, you're going to have a baby, a, prof- a prophecy. What happens for the next six months? You're going to be stressing e- baby. Well, you might be stressing but everywhere. everywhere you go, what do you see? Baby. Nappy adverts, this adverts, people all going with prams. All of a sudden, all you can see is baby. babies and nappies. It's called heightened awareness. That's why be careful of prophecies. Okay? Because when someone says hey, this is going to happen, what's going to, ha- what's going to happen? You're going to, you're going to see it everywhere. OK? Let me give you an example. I'll give you an example. Click click, and click click, and collect the TTP. Do you know that opposite Civic Park, the entrance there, another car park, all along the entrance there are purple click and click signs. Who knows they're there? You know why you don't know they're there? They've been there for months. Exactly. You don't know they're there. But they've been there for months. I didn't know they were there until I had a click and collect. And you know what happens now? Every time I go near the place, every time I go near the place, what do I see? Click and click, click and click, click, click and click, click and click, click and click. It's called heightened awareness. Beware of prophecies of any word. Just because you've seen something somewhere, you've only got to hear, I've only got to say to you, click and click. What's going to happen now? You're all going to see it, okay? That's the power of heightened awareness. It may not be God speaking to you, it probably isn't God speaking to you, but because you think God's spoken to you, you see it everywhere. Okay, so I'm going to give you a, uh, a height awareness uh, thing. Mission. I'm going to say to you, the Old Testament is all about mission to the Gentiles. You go and read the book of Jonah now. You go and read any book of the Old Testament now. I guarantee you, you will see mission. You'll see, yeah, he was always there. I just never saw him. Now that I'm switched on, now that my height and awareness has been activated, everywhere I look in the Old Testament... Yeah, God's always been interested in mission. Genesis 12. Every Jew reads it with blinkers. But what does Genesis 12 say to Abraham? I'll make you a father to the nations. It's like the Jesus heightened awareness I've given you. You know when we keep saying everywhere in the Old Testament you see Jesus. Once you've got that heightened awareness into your head, everywhere you look in the Old Testament, what do you see? Jesus. And if you just switch that switch on and be aware that the Old Testament is all about mission because God's always been interested in mission and then you read Jonah and then I ask you what is the biggest theme in Jonah what did you say mission 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 Look at Jesus's great command go and make disciples of all nations God Friends, it's one of the things you do, missiology is one of the subjects you do at Bible college. And as soon as you get in there, you're transformed forever. I'm not kidding you. You can see, all of a sudden realise the whole of the Bible is about mission. When we do, it's why I did Acts before Jonah, it's why I'm going to do Acts after Jonah. And the reason I'm doing it, you know, is because as a church, mission, and not just part but here in... Hope Valley, Adelaide has got to be our big heart. Because mission is God's big heart. So one of the key, the key message of Jonah is mission. God's mission heart. The second, another big message of Jonah be it shows up the gravity of Israel's sins. It shows up the gravity of Israel's sins. You see, They thought themselves better than the nations. They had God's word. They had the law. They were doing all their stuff. They were obeying God, so they thought. But they weren't. In fact, they were in a worse situation, weren't they? Because, okay, you can try this with a cop. It may not work, but you can try it. I didn't know, mate. No one told me this was a one-way street. You know, the signs weren't up. And in fact, fact, if the sign was down, you would have a legitimate case. But in Israel, the signs were everywhere, weren't they? They had the commandments. They knew what was right and wrong. And so it made them more culpable. Can you see that? And so what, what Jonah is doing, it's saying to the Israelites, look, look, you want to know how bad you are? You don't believe me, do you, God says. You don't believe me yet. You don't believe how bad you are. Let me show you. Watch. Look at these people. Wicked, yeah? One sermon. Look at them. Look at you. You think you're good? How many sermons have I preached to you? How many prophets have I sent to you? How many warnings? I'm going to show you. So listen to this. Matthew 21. Jesus says this. When Jesus lands on the scene, doesn't he? He's the second Jonah, isn't he? We're going to look at that in a minute. And he tells them He tells them, "Look, let me tell you what you're like. You're you're worse than the Ninevites." And he tells them this story: There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it and dug a wine press and built a watchtower. Okay, the landowner is God. Okay, the vineyard, and the workers is Israel. Okay, okay. Then he returned uh, to the vineyard, and he. Then he went to the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. That's the Jewish people. Okay, It's a picture of Canaan. When, when this harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. That's the, the faithful living of the Israelite community. Okay, The tenant seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time and the tenants treated them the same way. Can you see what Jesus... This is why they hated him. This is why they crucified him. Because when he came, he didn't come to, to tap him on the back and say, congratulations. You know, what it it's a bit like, you know, you, know you, do a great, you, you, you do a job and you think you've done a really good job and then you wait for the boss to come and you're like, he's going to think this is wonderful, you know, and then he comes and says, what about that? And what about that? And what about that? And you like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Okay? If only, okay? If only he had more muscles, is what I'm thinking. Okay? They hated Jesus. Because I thought he was going to pat him on the back, but he comes telling these stories, and he comes telling them these stories. Look, I've tried with you over and over again. I sent you prophet after prophet after prophet. I even saying Jesus is saying because Jonah was prophetic in modern ways. He's even saying I even sent you an example of what anybody else would do in your situations. I sent you the Ninevites, and then when they heard one sermon, they repented. But you, says Jesus. You killed every prophet I sent you and your sin is going to come to its full because when God sends his final prophet, who's his final prophet? Jesus. You will do worse to the final prophet, the son, the heir, than he's done to all the other ones. And Stephen says the same. You know when I was stoning Stephen in Acts 17? This is what he says to them. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? And can you see what the book of Jonah will do in exile for you if you're finally ready to listen? You know, often we don't want to hear it, do we? We have to be calm then. God has to do all he does and we will finally get to the place when we want to listen. And so God's got his people in Israel because he wants them to listen and he's finally got their attention. And now they finally look at the book of Jonah and they can see... Some explanation. Can you see that? This is why we're here. We were, we murdered God's prophets because we didn't like what they told us. We were obstinate, never coming to repentance. But look, Jonah says those Ninevites, you know those wicked Ninevites? They heard one sermon from his lips and they all changed their ways. No wonder God is upset with us. And so, can you see what he does for the Israelites? It, It it, it gives an explanation and rationale for why they're in exile. C, is a revelation of God still continuing mercy to Israel? And here's the other thing. The the wonderful thing about our God, contrary to what some of us think of him, he doesn't just beat you up. okay? And you know, I want to to put my hands up. I was one of those prophets. When you come out of Bible college and they give you a Bible and a bit of training, what, what, what are you like? (laughs) Yeah, you're like, you you know, you're like, Mr. Know-it-all, I know-it-all. You know, I've got the Bible, I've got my training, I've got my certificate. And here's me, oh, repent, repent, repent. You know, I I have to say sorry to some of my sermons that I used to preach. I'll probably be saying sorry to some of the ones I'm preaching now still. Okay, but that's yet to come. Okay? Hey, let me tell you, God doesn't just beat up on you. He, he does highlight our sin. Remember the woman, of the, uh, the, 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 the woman caught in adultery? He, he didn't pretend it, happen, it didn't happen, did he? You know, He let her feel some of the weight of her, the consequence of her sin, didn't he? Because all those people were ready to stone her. And he prolonged the experience, remember? Whilst each one of them went away. He, he let her feel something of the gravity of what she'd done. But he didn't just beat up on her and leave her for dead, did he? What did he do? he picked her up he says woman where are your accusers but go and he doesn't just send her away and says carry on what does he say go yeah you know repent and so here's the wonderful thing about the book of jonah he doesn't just beat up the israelites show them how wicked they are there you go you deserve it you're in the dust stay in the dust don't get back up! I'm sure I used to preach that, you know, to my shame. You know, sometimes it's a good dose of mercy and forgiveness that shows us the error of our ways, isn't it? Because God doesn't leave them in the dust. The book of Jonah isn't a whip. It's God's love letter to his people. Can you see that? It's not a whip. It's God's love letter to his people. Look, if you went to a doctor and there was something wrong with you and you knew something wrong with you but you didn't know what it was, would you want the doctor to tell you the truth or lie to you? If you've got cancer, do you want him to lie to you or do you want him to tell you what's wrong with you? What's a loving thing to do? the truth, So Jonah, is telling God's people how bad they've been, but it's a love letter because God wants to do surgery on their hearts. He wants to save them from their sins. He wants to show them what repentance looks like so that he can call them back into relationship. See, the book of Jonah is... It's God saying what he said in 2 Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, it means no matter how bad they've been, no matter what they've done, if they humble themselves, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sins. It's beautiful, isn't it? That's what the book of John is about. Jonah is about, it's what Jesus demonstrated. This is why the sinners love Jesus so much. Because, because he'd come not to beat up on people. He'd come to show re- favor and grace and forgiveness and mercy. And that's what the prodigal son is about. The prodigal son is probably the more, one of the most powerful pictures of the wonder and grace of God anybody will ever see. That's what the Israelites see in the book of Jonah. Here's what happened in, in the parable of the... Uh, prodigal son you know it but at the end there the father runs to him the father saw him, was filled with compassion he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him how does God deal with sinners, first class sinners what had this guy done, what had this guy done he squandered his living on say the word prostitutes, thank you Sylvia in other words it doesn't get any worse does it for a Jewish man And his father, instead of beating up on him, kisses him. What is the book of Jonah doing? What's it doing for us? We're going to get to this later. It's not God beating us up. It's God giving us a kiss. He's saying, hey, hey, let's talk about this. It's bad. Let me tell you, it's bad, but we're going we're gonna to deal with this. We're going to sort it out. The first thing you need to do, you need to understand the gravity of what's happened. And even in that, hey, how quickly do you think we learn the gravity of what we've done? How good are we? How, do you know it can take years? Years! I remember once I did a terrible thing when I was 19. I was 25 before I came to repentance. Sometimes it can take years. But God, graciously, mercy. How many years did God give the Israelites to come to repentance? There was a specific, specific number beginning with seven. Seventy. And he said to them, hey, you're not getting out of here before that. Don't, you know, slow down. You've got 70 years so that we can talk about this. God's like that with us. He talks about it. He brings us to repentance. He's doing that with the Israelites. He's giving them these 70 years. And he wants them to know. Exodus 34. He wants them to remember. That's why they've still got prophets who will be preaching messages like this. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and mercy. Maintaining love to thousands and loving and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. I better move on. Better move on. D. Jonah s- serves as a prophetic purpose. He serves a prophetic purpose, linking himself to Jesus and his purpose and his death and resurrection. You know the famous bit when Jesus says, "No sign will be given to you except the sign of the uh, Jonah. Just as he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man." And so, I won't spend much time on this point. Uh, But there's... Jonah was a prophet, so it's not a surprise if his life, you know, prophesies something about Jesus. Not only his word, but his life. And the fact that he was in in this fish for all that time was pointing the Jewish people, hundreds of years later, 700 years later, to Jesus' death and resurrection. And let me do the last one. I want to move on to the last one. And finally... God's, this is the final big sweep of uh, Jonah, God's blessing on our lives. Yeah, yeah, I nearly changed the wording of this, but it was a bit too late this morning because I, I could see better this morning when I went through my notes. And it's too strong, so I'll, I'll reword it now. God's blessings on our lives are dependent on our faithfulness today. I want to change that. God's blessings on our lives revolve around, are associated, that's, that's better, God's blessings on our lives are associated with our faithfulness today. And I say associated rather than dependent because everything's by grace. I don't want to turn this into works, okay? And the point I'm trying to make is this. We can't live on yesterday's blessing. You may have made a profession of faith when you were 12, okay? But if you're not living that now, do you know how much value it has, how much currency it has today? No. Thank you, Lorraine. And this is a horrible thing, parents. I, I, this is a terrible place for me to say this to you. But I'll get it from parents particularly. This is what I hear. She is a Christian. She made a profession to baptised there. Oh, she doesn't go to church now and is living with a boyfriend and doesn't do anything. But she is a Christian, you know. She got baptised when she was 12. Please, don't say that to me. I, I, I won't say anything back to you because I'm probably comforting you in some difficulty. But I'm telling you now, don't say that kind of stuff. It's not true. Yesterday's repentance and faith has no value today if you're not living a life today. Okay, It's one of the big pictures of of Jonah. And let me ask you, where do I get that from in Jonah? I'll say it's a big picture of Jonah. One of the stories of Jonah is... Yesterday's faithfulness has no value today if today you're not walking with God. Where do I get that from the book of Jonah? Have a guess. The there's him. There's all that going on. That's a good point, uh, Bron. There's another one. And you doesn't know history to know it. So it's a hard question. You have to know a bit of history. Why do I say that that's the theme of Jonah? I'll tell you, I'll tell you. What happens to Nineveh? Just a few decades later. God destroys them. In fact, they repented. God showed them mercy. And then he sends prophet after prophet. Look, Naaman's one. Listen to Naaman. I'm against you, declares the Lord Almighty. I will burn up your chariots in smoke and the sword of the will devour your young lions. I will leave you with no prey. God warns them. Okay, so here's a nation who repents and finds a favor of God day one. A couple of decades later, who are back to their old tricks, God sends them more prophets that don't listen. And what does God do to them them then that he didn't do then? He he ousts them and destroys them from the land. The very same thing doing with the Israelites. He gave the Israelites uh, the land of other sinful people and said to the Israelites, if you don't live a proper life, I'll oust you too. Now that ousted. So one of the themes of Jonah is, hey, I can't care. Look, I professed faith in Jesus when I was 16. Okay? Well, 15 years ago. Okay? Hey, what value? <laughs> hey, wait, wait, I don't look old. Do I? I probably do. Hey, when I stand before Jesus, if the Lord should call me home today, when I stand before Him, He doesn't care what I did when I was 16, what does he care about? Where was I the day he called me home? If you think I'm making that up, remember the parable of Jesus about the, good, about the stewards he put in charge of his business? And what did he say? When the master returns, if he finds his servant beating up on their workers, what does he do to them? And this is frightening, this is frightening. Because he's speaking to the Israelites. What does he do to that servant who wasn't looking after the household? Does anyone, anyone? He, drags he drags him out and throws him into the streets where there's gnashing of teeth. What is that a picture of? Yeah. Hell. And this is what Jesus is saying. He said, I don't care what, what profession of faith you made when you were 16, Montas. When I come for you, if you're not walking with me, it's curtains. Montez, when I call you, if you're not in faith, living in faith, it's curtains for you mate. Yes, I believe in, and I preach it, a doctrine called the perseverance of the saints. Do you know what that means? Not to be confused with, and I hate, this is a strong term. I hate this terminology. Okay, this is what I hate: "Once saved, always saved." I hate that terminology. "Once saved, always saved" is not to be confused with the perseverance of the saints. They're not saying say, one is saying you go and you buy your ticket when you're 16, and then you go and do whatever you want. To. You got your ticket. That is not a biblical teaching. The, the biblical teaching is, what, is what, I, what I believe is true. At least you may disagree. Is the perseverance of the saints, which simply means that a true convert proves they're converted by, by persevering in faith. One of the messages of John is, if I'm backslidden, if I'm backslidden, okay, one of the messages of John is, if I'm backslidden, you better get back on the horse. Because if Jesus finds you like that, it just proves you never really were his. Here's a text. Psalm 95. Jesus, it's in, it's in the New Testament. It's in Hebrews. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Do You know what they say about preachers, they say about everybody, uh, actors, you're only as good as your last. Who did I say that about? You're only as good as your last act. Who did they say that about? It's a saying isn't it it's a, it's a proverb you know it's about preachers you're only as good as your last sermon you know if, you, if i preach a bad sermon today like you probably think oh, yeah, i have then you don't care how good my sermon last week was i'm bad you're only good as your last sermon oh, no, no, christian you're only as good as where you are in god today that's where we're going now you've got a choice you can never return because you know it all or you can come and listen to some of the detail over the next few weeks God bless you. If you've been listening online, thank you for listening. Join us again. Come live or listen uh, on live stream as we work our way through in four or five or six messages through the book of Jonah. Thank you. Living Word Bible Church. Teaching the Bible verse by verse.